This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. It's good to be with you. We're in Hebrews chapter 10 today, Hebrews 10, and I'm going to be reading in verse 19. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Finding forgiveness through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus comes with obligations. And the Hebrew writer has talked a great deal about that already, and he continues here into chapter 10. The popular and erroneous conception that a gift is not a gift if it comes with responsibilities is laid upon the scriptures by man and not God. Because according to this passage and others, I can and must believe in a God who offers salvation fully and freely, while at the same time acknowledging that he has placed conditions upon receiving that gift. And that's not a contradiction. Not in the doctrine, nor in the character of God. If God says, as he does in verse 36, When you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Then I have no right to cry foul or claim that I can receive what was promised without having done the will of God. That would be foolish. This is what the Holy Spirit would have us understand. That a new and living way, inaugurated by Christ, cannot be had or enjoyed without obedience. At least that's one of the points in the context. So to briefly recap what we've looked at thus far in this passage uh, in our study last week, verse 4, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins because the law of Moses is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves, as he says in verse 1. And so it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year. They can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. Again, that's verse 1. So only the sacrificial death of Jesus has the power to remove sin completely and cleanse your conscience and eliminate a reminder, any reminder of sins uh, that we can have or the Hebrews had in the day of atonement and uh, under their old system in verses 2 and 3. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we just never think of what we've done in the past ever again. Uh, but it's a the the guilt associated with the reminder that doesn't have to be there anymore. It shouldn't be there anymore because Christ has taken it away. So God prepared a body to sacrifice for himself as pro- prophesied. Verse 5, a body you have prepared for me. So people could be sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, once and for all. And again, this was his will. Verse 9, to take away the first covenant in order to establish the second through the death of his son. Verse 16 of chapter 9, where the covenant is, there must of necessity be death, the death of the one who made it. So in this new covenant, God has, by one offering, perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Chapter 10 and verse 14, so that he could put his laws in our hearts and minds Write them on our minds and hearts, verses 16 and 17, and remember our sins no more and our lawless lawless deeds no more. And Jesus Christ is the source of salvation to all who obey him, Hebrews 5, 9. And 
in fellowship with him, there is full and complete forgiveness. It can't be found anywhere else. So those who find fellowship with God through Christ in this new covenant find every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1 and verse 3. And the writer names some here. We have confidence, verse 19, he says, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, meaning, as he said previously, in chapter 4 and verse 16, that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And so we we can do that. God wants that. He wants us to cast our cares and anxieties on him, First Peter 5, 7. So what is your need? Are you sorrowful? Are you racked with guilt? Do you have uh, worries? God has the answer for these spiritual Maladies. Do you have a spouse or a child who is terminally ill? Um, and you know, I, and I know we have to be careful when we venture into the physical realm, where there's no promises of restoration and healing here and now. Uh, but nevertheless, God, in His wisdom and, and through His Word and the blessings through His Son, can uh, mitigate the pain of those things. You know, as He did for Paul. You know, Paul himself teaches us in Second Corinthians twelve how he pleaded with the Lord three times to take away this thorn he had in the flesh. He doesn't ever identify what it was, but it was something that was uh, chronic and uh, evidently painful. And God did not take it away, but he assured Paul that his grace would be sufficient, that his power would be perfected in, in weakness. Right, And that's a fulfillment of Hebrews 4.16. We can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, whatever the need is. And all those privileges and all those blessings that are afforded in Christ come with obligations. A, a we we must have and a true a true follower of Christ, one who is truly seeking and diligently trying to understand who Christ is and what His will is, is going to have a heart that desires to obey. Um, he reminds us that. Again, we have this great high priest over the house of God, so we draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And then he goes on to talk about some obligations that we have, like forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together in verse 25. So God's people cannot be static or inert in their fellowship with him. And and they won't be if they're true followers. If they're seeking him diligently, he's going to remind us again in the next chapter, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him in verse 6 of chapter 11. So here he's, he's calling us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, verse 23. So how do we go about that? Well, the writers previously mentioned ministering to the saints, serving the saints, showing diligence so that we can realize, he says in verse 10 of chapter 6, so that we can realize the full assurance of hope until the end that's how we cling to hope you see it's it's married to action it's married to obedience you can't separate the two and he's taking us to the same place here just in a different context of chapter 10 he says in verse 24 let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds so that's a way to serve your brethren in christ find a way to encourage them to stir them up and then he says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
And so that's at least part of what it means, going back to verse 22 and 23, to hold fast our confession to God by, one, drawing near to Him, and two, serving and continuing to serve His people by encouraging them and assembling with them and stirring them up in, in love. So your fellowship with God is, a, is contingent upon your loving service toward His people. Without it, the Hebrew, without that, the Hebrew writer is saying is you can't really have hope. You don't really have a claim to it, and it betrays a more fundamental problem as as well, uh, and that is a lack of faith. And so, that is why he says in verse twenty six to neglect our responsibilities in this these areas um, to forsake assembling with God's people to refuse to stir them up, to refuse to hold fast to our confession, verse 26, is to go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. You see, he's not talking about, uh, you know, what we might call moral issues, you know, like lying and adultery and uh, stealing and, and murder and things like this, even though those are all all sin. And the Bible defines those things as sin. In the context of Hebrews 10 and verse 26, he's just talking about uh, laziness. He's just he's talking to Christians who were neglecting serving each other. So it's not that they were just being outright hostile, right? But they were they have they had been given to neglect. Remember chapter five, they had come to need milk and not solid food. They were regressing, they were immature. Uh, and they weren't meeting these obligations. And, and he is saying that that is to go on sinning. In other words, don't make this mistake. There are other ways to sin willfully for sure, but these in particular are what the Holy Spirit is focusing on in the text. And he says there's no sacrifice for sins for the one who flagrantly shugs off, shrugs off the obligations God has placed before him. But only, verse 27, a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. That should be a wake-up call for every Christian. That this new and living way in Christ has no room for quitters, no room for deserters, no room for half-hearted, lukewarm servants. To go that way, verse 36, is to throw away your confidence, which has great reward. And this is exactly what so many have chosen to do, sadly. Rather than endure with the people of God, consistently serving with a mind fixed on heaven, they have instead chosen to try and coast into eternity. And maybe not, you know, in, like it's not an intentional choice like I'm just going to try and ride this ride this out and do just just enough you know they don't articulate it that way and they're not you know thinking in mercenary terms like like that but they are nevertheless through their neglect they have fallen into this this category in other words you know they're not visibly before us throwing up their hands and stomping their feet out the door and just quitting all altogether but the result of of just negligence and half-heartedness and lukewarm and, and making these kind of intermittent sputtering efforts to serve just when it's convenient, the result is the same as if they had just thrown up their hands and quit altogether. 
Verse 31, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What we have need of is endurance. Verse 36, for only those who do the will of God receive, excuse me, received what was promised. And so are we enduring? I know these are difficult times. I know there's lots of circumstances that are extenuating and, you know, legitimate reasons to be uh, more concerned about health, physical health than there have been in the past. But nothing, not even that, can come between us or should come between us and holding fast our confession, which entails the specific things named here in the text that we've talked about, which includes assembling with our brethren.